From Calvary Church of Santa Ana, this is the Calvary Life Podcast, the show where we share stories, laugh together, and have discussions about faith, life, and God with people from Calvary Church. Here's your host, Eric Wakeling. All right, welcome to the Calvary Life Podcast. It is great to be back in action. And for today, we have Karen Bergstrom here with us. We're very happy to have you, longtime Calvary member. Mm -hmm. Uh, How are you doing today, Karen? Good. It's good to be here. Awesome. It is great to have you. And we're going to talk today about something, a a ministry, a nonprofit called Safe Families for Children. But Mm -hmm. as we get into that, um, first, I just love to be able to hear a little bit of your Calvary origin story. So when did you start being a, you know, part of Calvary Church? Like really way back when. I'm not kidding. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Back in the 60s, my parents started coming to Calvary. There were six of us. We were a blended family, which was unusual in Orange County in those days. But parents had already had their own journey with addiction and divorce and all kinds of things. And we landed here at Calvary as a family of six kids and mom and dad. And so we've been going. And then I married Someone that I met in the college department. Oh, is that when you guys met was in in college group? You can tell, too, you've been around Calvary for a while if you say the college department. The college department. No one says that, you know? (laughs) Yeah, we were in that department. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so I met Rick in the college department. and um, Then we married and raised our kids here eventually. Moved away, came back, but basically that's right raised the four Bergstroms here too who was the senior pastor then when you first started coming here Samzik it was Michael Samzik yeah. okay we awesome. were meeting over in the Sam I mean in the fireside building was the church okay that's right that's right there was no Samzik yeah so yeah so that's why everybody has to imagine like being inside Fellowship <laughs> Hall that's the church that yeah. was the big church <laughs> before the chapel yeah and before the chapel is definitely called Samzik chapel right. it's called the Sam- <laughs> it's just called the church yeah. <laughs> it's the church yeah orange groves everywhere mm. and so yeah. Okay. And so, yeah, you're right. You said, because you had moved up into Seattle area for a while, came back. And yeah. then um, that's that's awesome. And yeah, we, we love your family. Just incredible, yeah. involved family here at our church and a crazy wild husband mm-hmm. that, you know, a lot of people know is one yeah. of our elders. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so again, we're going to talk about safe families. But I'd like to first get a little bit of a sense of, okay, what was some of your background professionally and how did that, how did that lead you towards Safe Families? Yeah. Um, I'm a clinical psychologist and grew up professionally working at Olive Crest, really started when I was 19 years old. Okay, and wow. Pre, pre-degree and work, uh, Olive Crest is a local nonprofit here that basically raises children, whether yeah. it's foster care or residential, just... In that era, I think we had 42 residential, six-bed homes. Right. You know, you know I kind of grew up in that world, right? Oh, yeah, your parents. Yes. <laughs> yeah, your mom and dad. Yeah. We were, had, so it was called Concept 7. Concept it was like seven almost like a competitor, so they to were, speak, back in the day. We were right next to each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, George Wakeling. That's I knew, right. I knew That's, George Wakeling, yeah. Yes. I grew up playing pool, you know, in group homes yeah. with guys out of juvenile hall. And yeah. <laughs> like, was I mean, background. it was the orphanages of America in it that really era. It really was, you're those, right. So you grew up in that same setting as that was really what, mm-hmm. you know, orphanages were like in America. Yeah, that's true. In the 80s and 90s. Yeah. And yeah, that was the exact same world I grew up in. And through all of that, determined that I was going to get my degree and kind of stay in this field of hmm. 
Karen, this is crazy. Help. You're like, maybe I need to take you on as like a surrogate mom because <laughs> my mom, <laughs> <laughs> my mom was, uh, she wasn't a clinical psychologist, but she was a marriage family yeah. child counselor yeah. and yeah. as a therapist and a, and a childcare worker in group homes. And yeah. Yeah, so exactly just, the same life. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not old enough to be your mom. No, no, no. That's why, you know, just, yeah, that's, right. yeah, right. I'm totally old enough. <laughs> Absolutely old enough. So yeah. Yeah, it was a really similar thing, and I knew your parents. Cool. But uh, they were, yeah, and so the Valurs and the Wakelings were both Mm -hmm. opening orphanages, basically, Mm -hmm. finding homes for people to live in. So, you know, I was raised professionally. That's really how I say I grew up professionally. How'd you get a heart for that? What what was it drew you to I mean, definitely my family of origin. So I mentioned I was from a blended family. So my mom at age 21 had her third child, which was me. Okay. So she was on welfare and then had my brother when she was 23. So she had four children by the age of 23 and no father in the home, tremendous mm. poverty. Mm-hmm. And so if there was a family that could have ended up in the foster system, uh, adoption system, in fact, my mom made at one point did take us down to consider adoption because she knew she couldn't provide the life um, that she wanted to give her children because of her own addictions and problems mm. and so forth. Uh, so anyways, I was definitely raised in a similar life. Those first five years of my life were similar to the life of many of the families I served. So it hmm. wasn't out of a, an experience recently because by the time I got involved there, I my family had blended and middle-class family. And, you know, so it did. I didn't really have a an experience of poverty during those years, but I think Mm -hmm. my muscle memory was such that I remembered what it was like to really not have a home or have the security of home. So. Yeah. You were vulnerable uh in a sense, right? Like if that hadn't have, Mm -hmm. you know, if like your eventual like stepdad and whatever, right. Like it hadn't come along and and you guys had that blended family, then, Uh then it would have been, you guys were kind of vulnerable in some way. Yeah. We were definitely on that track. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And that's where people, I bet like a lot of people don't know. I mean, that's like people think of like, cause your family, people are like, oh, kind of legendary Calvary family. Yeah. And like, uh, and they are. Yeah. And it's really cool. Yeah. Um, but didn't know that that was a rough patch there. Yeah. Um, and Norman, Jerry Bauer, that was my parents. And so they met at a time when neither of them were walking in faith. Okay. And, but in that, process redeemed themselves. They went to Forest Home, were invited to Forest Home, and they became Christians up there. Uh And so even Forest Home is a part of Calvary's story. That was another place that that my parents made a decision to follow Christ. And that's when Calvary Church became a really important spiritual family. Okay. Okay. To them and to all of the oh, six of so us. Cool. Well, we love Forest Home. It's yeah. an amazing place. And yeah. so many people have had some significant yeah, sort of transformative experience there with the yeah. Lord. Yeah, so it's really special. Yeah. We get a little Hume friendly here, obviously. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> but we also love mm-hmm. Forest Home. Okay, so that's uh, as as you're going. That's kind of you've you've had some of that life experience, and then now you're in this career, um, working at Olive Crest, doing some of this like doing this psychology, doing this counseling, but also kind of social work at some Mm -hmm, level, right? mm -hmm. Like in these, like what were some of maybe your, because you started to kind of rise up in some leadership roles then there? At some point, I, like I said, grew up professionally there and ended up more on the side of a program manager. I ended up more creating models of care. Okay. Really kind of fell in love with the executive kind of side. So I 
yeah. ended up as the chief programs officer there, which meant I was, I think we were about a $40 million agency, 700 employees, and we had wow. cool things we did all over L.A., Orange County, San Diego, Las Vegas. So I ended up more on that organizing, social organizing kind of side. Yeah, yeah. And so did... Um did, has the whole world then of that kind of world of um, that caring for children, it, well, let's say like in an olive crest, did that over time move away from the experience that, that I had with my family, you know, yeah. with these group homes and sort of like you said, modern day orphanages? Mm-hmm. How did that shift over time? I just, you know, probably in a simple way, it was a separation of church and state. You know, it oh. became then a child welfare. Okay. We created systems that care for kids. And then it was no longer... The church's responsibility originally it was. Yeah. And we kind of relinqu we did. We relinquished the role of caring for our right. orphans and our widows, you know, all the vulnerable. We really put them into systems more yeah. than they came responsibility. So yeah, even at Olive Crest, I felt the split from the church. Mm. Calvary Church, you know, would always participate in any individual invitation mm-hmm. but churches weren't naturally responsible for mm-hmm. local orphans right right and so then that kind of leads us towards this whole thing like when was yeah. the first time and we got to explain it in a moment yeah. here in a moment here we'll explain what we're talking about with safe families for children but mm-hmm. when did you first hear about this safe concept yeah. yeah yeah there was a, dr anderson is the founder um and he was a really like a colleague doing the same thing we were doing in Olive Crest at a place called Lydia Home in downtown Chicago. Okay. So literally a similar experience there. But he had this idea that what if we stopped child abuse before it started? Mm-hmm. And what if we stood at the front door of child welfare and helped families before abuse occurred? Yeah. And so because what we were finding across the country was that there's a whole group of people that nobody owns. So hmm. if you're in trouble but you haven't abused your child, yep. there really is no place for you. Okay. So we call the fancy word is prevention or edge of care. Or, but 90% of all the child abuse calls that America gets do not move forward into help. Okay. But we know that 90% of those calls, you know, pretty difficult, scary things are happening in families, yeah. but who, whose role is it? Right. Because um, these are people, so that, yeah, they're, the kids are not being removed by the state or the police mm-hmm. or whoever, right? Like, or right. the county or like, right. okay. So a school teacher called, the Child Protective Services or when a neighbor called or a police officer, but when they investigated, definitely trouble, but not abuse. Right, right. So the, I, the thought was... You know, as we were raising all of these children, one of the key things was that the children were more, young adults were more vulnerable if they were raised in foster care. Human trafficking, okay. you know, percentages, uh, early unwed pregnancies, drug abuse, homelessness, any social ill you can imagine. If you put a child that had been raised in foster care into the statistics, they were about 50 times more chance than our children would have had a chance to be involved. So wow. the system wasn't able to raise children. Right. And so right. those of us in that system kind of had a collective stomach ache. Yes. Like we know we know this isn't enough. Yep. We, we do the best we can and we hire the greatest staff we can, but staff and government and people 
really can't raise children like families can. Right, right. So Safe Families was this idea of Dr. Anderson in Chicago, which the idea was, what if we just asked ordinary neighbors to to love families that were struggling mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. take care of their kids for a while while the family went and did what they needed to get on their feet. Okay. And so this is all pre-government, pre-agency, pre-child welfare. Yeah. But families in pretty significant struggle, which would be really similar to my mom. Okay, exactly. It's, you know, earnest families that desire to to make it, yep. but really don't have the resources. And and poverty is seventy percent of all those calls that I mentioned that come in are related to poverty. Oh, really? So more of like people thinking it's a neglectful kind of situation, mm-hmm. like it's a, a poverty-related neglect, right. like neglect. Well, we mix or, neglect and or, child abuse as we we, oh, okay. we 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 accidentally thought those were the same thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But neglect is a really different thing. I remember I used to say those in the same sentence, right? right? Yeah. Child abuse, sexual abuse, neglect. Yes. Child abuse and neglect. And not that either of them don't have profound effects sure. on us as children. But the solutions are different. Right. I say the, the impact could be similar. Right. And we can call it all abuse if, if it would be fair to call it abuse, but the solutions are very different. Right, right, right. And there's probably a difference somehow between uh, a very sort of spiteful, intentional neglect and mm-hmm. like a, I'm just trying to make it. So yeah. therefore I'm neglecting. I'm going to leave my four kids alone all day while I go to work. Yeah, yeah. Or I'm going to leave them with the wrong people right. because I'm desperate. Right. To go and get a job. And those are different problems to solve. But we solved them all by removing children. Right. That was kind of our global idea in foster care. And that we just didn't get the results Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in America that we can be proud of. Right. Because, like, let's let me try to like, let me try to describe, say, families a little bit with something. But I want you to like either either agree or push back. (laughs) Okay. All right. (laughs) Because is it at some level like um, voluntary foster care, Mm -hmm. you know, or is that even a wrong way to say it? How would you say that? Like, Um, I'd say voluntary neighborhood care. Okay. Because when you put foster, we all we think government. So this is really. 100% 100% voluntary neighbors okay. helping people in their same zip code Yep, yep. that are in trouble, that they don't know. Yes, I love it. Uh, and so so you have, let's just kind of, can we like maybe even paint a picture or, yeah. or I mean, mm-hmm. even if you want to tell a story, but we could kind of paint a picture of just uh, a mom who's, you know, I'm trying to think, yeah. like, who's got a couple so of kids. So 90%, 90% of, or 70% of the children are under five years old that okay. need a place to live. And so the idea is a mom that's struggling, a single mom's pretty typical. Yep. Um, and is at risk to maybe losing her children into foster care because of abuse, mm-hmm. uh, neglect, all of the. Mm-hmm. And um, what her option would be is to call the Safe Family Network across the United States, Ralston, England, Scotland, Wales, Canada, Nairobi. Wow. So it's now a movement that's gone global. But, yeah. but here they would call and the hotline would send them to the zip code closest to them where there's a safe family. Okay. And that safe family is a family, a volunteer family that attends a church like Calvary Church mm-hmm. and has been vetted and trained and background checked through a church ministry and is approved as the local safe family of that zip code. Yeah. And so then an agency, a local agency plays in this kind of story and those two families are matched with each other and it's a voluntary 
would you watch my children for a little while while yeah. I go get back on my feet? And if I choose, I want to have my kids back, you get your kids back, right? right? It is. They don't lose their custody. They don't lose right. their rights. There's no uh, legal involved mm-hmm. in this. The mm-hmm. family signs yeah, over Yeah, so it's not kidnapping you. or something. Right. Signs over pretty <laughs> yeah. sophisticated paperwork, yeah, much sure. like you would if you took your children on if you went on vacation, left your kids with your friends. Right, right, so right. So it's right. almost more like an extended family or a neighborhood program. Yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's really beautiful because there's a lot of reasons. What are some of the reasons, I guess, like people, is it on the verge of homelessness? It's I like know, the poverty, number one drugs? referral today okay. is homelessness. Homelessness, It's yeah. that people are living on the streets yep. and their children aren't safe. Yep. Or they're living in really unsafe Yep. Non-homes. But if they could have three months to kind of work and get their stuff going, mm-hmm. get their, mm-hmm. you know, get some of these right. things figured out, like, without having to, right. like, worry about their kids also. Mm-hmm. Um, is that kind of the notion? I mean, Definitely. Okay. So it's, a you know, the average day is still 45 days. Oh, okay. 45 days. But it could be a weekend. That's and right. it could be six months. So it's really voluntary. It's about what we're, but the, Interestingly enough, that 40, 45 days has remained after 18 years. We're 18 years old now, so we're teenagers. Wow. I mean, we're leaving teenage years. Yeah, yeah, you're grown-ups. And uh, we're getting almost (laughs) (laughs) grown-ups. It's still that 40, 45-day stay is a very typical need, not for a family's life to be totally restored and redeemed and everything's working, but for them to have enough oxygen to breathe to be the parents that their kids need. Yeah, that's really, that's so beautiful. I love that. And yeah. we talk a lot about how um, maybe in circles like Calvary of, hey, we, you know, we don't want to just have the government that does everything, you know, the yeah. government shouldn't be in charge of all this, right. like welfare state, blah, blah, you know, these kind of, these kind of thoughts. But then we always say it should be the role of the church, right? right. And then, but then it has to become, all right, well, so then church, you, gotta do it. Yeah. <laughs> you better do it. And, and I, I think that's yeah. what made me the most nervous because I am a church girl. <laughs> and yeah. when we started thinking about how would this ever work, how could we ever take on what the government can't do? Mm-hmm. And this idea of safe families came up. We met for a year here in Orange County at Olive Crest and all these church leaders and yeah. Pastor Wakeling was involved. That's I just right. tapped on the shoulders of people I knew and said, would you meet with me for one year? Yeah. And could, let's come up with a model yep. that if we ask the church and they said yes, we can actually keep everybody safe. Yeah. You know, safe families is both sides. The host family is safe. Yeah. And what I love about the definition of host, it means to keep something else alive. Hmm. And so we are hosting so that another family can stay alive. Wow. So this isn't foster care. Yeah. We're not substituting the parents. Mm-hmm. We're hosting. Mm-hmm. their children while keeping something else alive. So believe me, we didn't know how sophisticated that word was. That definition came later. But <laughs> and I'll, it's just the idea of giving a message to a family that I'm hanging in there for you. Yeah. I'm going to watch these kids on your behalf. Yeah, exactly. And that's, yeah, it's got to be just such a life-saving moment for yeah. for the kids the the parents of, yeah. of those kids but also of that quote-unquote host of that host family even yeah. so like maybe can you share without names i'm sure but like uh yeah. just share a story of yeah of some, one of these kind of things maybe even of a calvary family if you got one but mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i mean there's so many so we've hosted 50 this has happened 50,000 55,000 times in america wow so this is now We've really now started impacting a change in child welfare. So across the country, 
there's all kinds of research going on about why did this work. Okay. So I guess our own story with the Bergstroms, um, oh, yeah. even though it's a little bit of an older story, um, was the family, a homeless family came to Calvary. Mm-hmm. And they were out in the parking lot asking for money. And I thought, well, you asked the wrong person for money because little <laughs> does little do they know what I do. Or the right person. The right person. <laughs> so this relationship began with just what do you really need? Yeah. You know, because they didn't seem like they really needed $10. And so this relationship began, and it really began on behalf of the parents. They were not married, uh, but this was a husband and a wife. I mean, a, fa- a father and a mother. And a mother, yeah. And a little girl, and we just entered this journey with her right. and with him. And they had a much more sophisticated problems than homelessness, which right. most homeless people have more sophisticated problems. Yeah. But really what happened is we adopted them. Yeah. And so even at Calvary, you got to know both Tyler and Ashley. We did. And their yeah. daughter. And and it was a, a long road, but all of our kids. But probably one of my favorite stories was um, Kyle was at Biola. And he was home on Facebook with the mom who was in our home hanging out Mm. one night. And um, while they were on Facebook looking at people, they realized, Kyle realized he'd been in her home Uh in Yorba Linda. He was playing football for Orange Lutheran and Ashley's brother was playing football for somewhere in Yorba Linda. And he realized he'd actually been in her home as a football guy and... And all of a sudden, homelessness and the situation she was in, which was pretty raw at the time. Yeah. She was somebody that stood there and was asking for money and begging for food. And that he realized that those two worlds weren't that separate. Yeah. And that there was a beginning of her life before it got to where it was. And it was only seven years before. So I think that changed his view of homelessness or people standing with signs and asking for money or a mom with a dirty stroller and an unkept child, I don't think he'll ever have the same judgment of that because mm. the his world, the worlds collided. And that the only way to do that is through relationships. The only way he discovered that mm-hmm. was through this friendship he mm-hmm. had with her. And that's what's cool is that's what it could become was right. a friendship. And, mm-hmm. in, and, and I know it was messy. Yeah, it was and, messy and all kinds of things yeah. Yeah, and stories. <laughs> but the friendship remains today uh, yeah. with both those parents. Mm. And another fun Calvary story is one of the youth at Calvary, actually someone in college called when the same mom was struggling on the streets, hmm. came into her restaurant, and she mm. called me to say, Karen, your person is here. Uh-oh. I've given her something to eat and hanging out with her until you get here. So this family that Calvary worked with felt like we were everywhere. Everywhere yeah, they yeah. went, there was somebody. <laughs> they f- would feel caught a little bit, but it was more there was just someone catching them. Yeah. And so over and over they kept being caught. Mm by somebody and it was part of our church family that yep. felt like this was our story. Yep. You know, so love that. Um so that's what the church and host families become an extended like family. Mm-hmm. I like to use the word safety net. Yep. And uh, like my own mom and our own family, we all get to a point in our life when we need a safety net. Yeah. It's not a uncommon thing for all of us to have had a time in our life. Well I've needed I've had to say, Dad, can I borrow some money or right. whatever? You can know, you these moments in this? life. Yeah. Yeah. So if we could just realize none of us are that far mm-hmm. from needing the handout or the, somebody else to come, it's, all, it's 
more fun to be the host mm-hmm. than the one being hosted. Mm-hmm. But they're both important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I've like had some friends who you know, in here at Calvary who yeah. have been host families, mm-hmm. and they've even had that kind of experience of uh, like almost like just a couple nights here and there. Yeah, yeah like that kind of a relationship Definitely. with their the family that they support, and yeah. it's just like for whatever you know. And it's I love how you even having like a heart of as we're listening here. It's not about it's not about the reasons why the people need it but mm-hmm. it's you know i'm sure as you build relationship then it can become part of that right um but they're able just to be that support structure when that right. person needs it um, and people have asked us to get more sophisticated and do this and add this in a work program and a job training program and we <laughs> we've stayed as pure as we can is that what the church is offering is relationship yep and if we could just do that we yep. don't need there is sophisticated, great programs across American systems. Right, right. But what is not there is relationship. Right. And that you've heard the analogy of, you know, or when you're riding, when you're in an airplane, they say, take, put your mask on first, the oxygen first, mask, and yeah. then as you can help your child. Yeah. That's the idea of it. Yep. Is if we could just help the families get their own masks on. And, yes. so, and by doing that, is to help out with their kids. Hmm. So they don't lose their children in the process, because that's kind of the story. So, yeah, we really are only, really are only asking for a relationship. Okay, okay, and we've like we've talked about this a lot at Calvary, you know, over the years here and there. Probably haven't talked about it as much recently as we yeah. could have been or should have been. But like this is the kind of thing that we want people in the church to yeah. be able to go check out and see how they can mm-hmm. be a host family, right? Yeah. A host family um, or a family friend. Hosting is you open your home. A family friend is you just open your heart. So okay. there is there is families that don't need any overnight help, but they need okay. a consistent yeah. uh, aunt or uncle or friend. Oh, that's interesting. I yeah. don't even know if I was aware of that shift. Yeah. That's cool. So it's the it's a, for, for every family that host family that helps another family. We call them family friends that okay. surround them. Okay. So there's no host family that ever hosts, hopefully ever, on their own. Okay. But there's always a circle of family friends. Yep, yep. And those are people that just help with all the extras. Yeah, that's cool. And that's where, you know, I think even sometimes with some of these, there's probably like informal versions of that as well. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, just how we kind of support yeah. like those who are doing it and just, uh, and just help out. Yeah. The um, informal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, even if it's picking up these people's other kids from school mm-hmm. or whatever, you right. know, <laughs> while, while you've got like a, a kid with you, that's not, you know, yeah. like in your Pull normal another routine. seat up to the table and yeah, yeah just not, I think we need to not make it so hard. Yes. Just offer what you can for right now. Yeah. And so I love is how you had said like that we, you, so you found out about this whole thing with Dr. Anderson and then you started this, like it was while you were still working at Olive Crest right? and then started just saying, okay, like how can we bring this to the to, West Coast? To the West Coast. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then you gathered this group of people that were kind of in that industry, you know, either in that industry, yeah. what do you call that industry even? Like what do you organization or, or I don't social know. industries you know? okay yeah. sorry or in that yeah in that world of um, yeah. <laughs> yeah so people like that were in that world or mm-hmm. if there were other pastors or things like that and it was a really cool group of people just getting to think and dream and yeah give you this like 
give you ideas, and then you yeah. guys just ran with it. Yeah, if this can happen in Chicago on a small scale, what would it look like if we brought it here? Yeah. And then Calvary, you know, I was telling Eric before we started, I just went to my own church and I said, hey, Eric, <laughs> what if we did this? Yeah. And what if our church, and I started where I lived, which yeah. was here, Yeah. and just said, do you think we can do it? And, um, you know, we can go, therefore, into all the world, which Calvary would be a church that can tell that story. Right. Um, and yet we were meeting at that time. Temple Cavario and Pastor De Leon. Yep. He'd been in at Temple Cavario for thirty something years and I'd been here. We had never met. Right. I know. And we just started even our church names were similar. And we started swapping stories and he started teaching me. And I started teaching him and mm-hmm. and our resources came together and then yeah. So it was an exciting God breathed year. Yeah. And it was 2007, eight when the Great Recession was hitting, so there was no money. That's right. So That's this right. was not a time to start something new. Yeah. <laughs> and yet the world said, we got to do more. Right, right. Yeah. And it, but it was so cool because, like, I mean, it was so cool for me to be part of that. I was, like, blessed to be part of that. Yeah. And you helped connect even me to somebody like um, Lee DeLeon and uh-huh. at Temple Calvario, which if you guys don't know, this is a, a church on the kind of the other end of town. Like we're on the far sort of east end of town, yeah. they're on the far west end of town. And um, and like just an incredible, incredible church with amazing ministries of how they're impacting the city. And we've maybe a little bit before that also, but and since then have been oh, yeah. partnering with them in so much and Lee's spoken on panels here even with you and yeah. um and so we just appreciate him I'm going to be on a call with him and a group of pastors uh, later this week yeah and so it's cool how some of that like connected even beyond say families to help like yeah. just unite the church he told me a funniest story I'll tell it real quick he yeah. uh I showed him a, my list of 12 churches, Calvary Church Santa Ana being on the top of that list that were willing to do this. Yeah. And that we were going to recruit families, and then we were going to host many of the children were Spanish-speaking children. And um, so I showed him my list, and there was other uh, Spanish-speaking pastors there, and they were looking at the list. They passed it around, and they kept looking at the people. They put their finger up by each church, and they would say, turkey thrower, turkey thrower, turkey thrower, turkey and I said, what are you guys saying? I thought they were saying something in Spanish. And I said, what are you guys saying? Yeah. And they were saying turkey thrower. And I go, well, what's a turkey thrower? Ah, ha, ha. They laughed and laughed. And they said, it's churches that throw turkeys into Santa Ana during Thanksgiving and Christmas. Yes. And I said, turkey thrower? <laughs> And, of course, our agency had all kinds of delivered frozen turkeys, and I'm sure I threw turkeys, <laughs> yeah. called and offered, and yeah. he said, number one, we don't eat turkeys. We eat tamales. Yeah. And second of all, our ovens don't fit frozen turkeys. And and the, how they thought that was funny, and it was all jovial, but it was so convicting for me yes. to, to listen to them and for them to already have recognized, P.S., we weren't a turkey thrower church, so congratulations, Calvary Santa But I was a turkey thrower because as a nonprofit, I had a lot of donations that I shared. And yeah. So well, the, you can throw turkeys and do some other stuff. Yeah. At the time, it was just how yeah. we lose relevance. Yes, you're right. How we... We give how we want to give, not how what people need. Yes. And so yes. that was the beginning of a fun relationship where I learned a lot. Yeah, you're mm-hmm. right. It's important to you to, I think it's a couple things that are in there, like that we just talked about, a couple important things. One, and I'll, I want to get back to the uh, st- stay at your home, yeah. but one is this whole turkey thrower thing. I think for people, when you're thinking about, just like the person listening, like when you're thinking about 
how can I serve? It's so important to think about how can you meet the needs of the people you're ministering to mm-hmm. rather than just kind of doing anything that you think is good, right? right. Like there's this whole, I mean, more and more people are kind of getting this, I think, yeah. lately, of like with the When Helping Hurts book that came mm-hmm. out Beautiful and stuff like book. that. Yeah. And so, uh, really important, I think, mm-hmm. for us to have a, a deeper understanding of the need uh, and the and the humanity of the people that we're trying right. to serve. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that'll all be solved by relationship. Yes. Because yes. You, if you knew the family you were giving it to, you would know their oven. Yes. It, it, so if the relationship so is there, kind of love covers a multitude of sins. Like yeah. We won't really make those mistakes. Right. If the relationship is there. And yeah. that'll cover that. And so uh, I remember a mom we hosted that she had all these sparkly clothes for her five-year-old to wear to Calvary and they were inappropriate to drop her off in the five-year-olds and this she thought she was bringing dress-up clothes you know for her daughter to go to church and so I thought I'm gonna run over to Target and get her some new clothes and um, I remember stopping myself because Target was convenient for me but it would have shamed that mom Mm -hmm. and so I ran over to the thrift store and got a bag of great stuff things I knew she could afford if she was with me Mm. And that took longer and it was a little more of a hassle, Mm -hmm. but I was more joining her. I was creating, Uh, I was buying things and she had a nine-year-old daughter that loved running around the store with me. So I didn't offer the kids something that that mom couldn't offer them. Oh, wow. And, um, and that took work. Yeah. And I had to stop and think because it would have been quicker and faster to go to my little world and accomplish that. So. So by the time the mom came back, I was able to offer something that she could give her kids. Mm. You know. So, anyways, it's just little oh, things like that where, in yeah. the relationship, you don't want to ever hurt. Right. You just want to hang out. Yeah, that's cool. Help out and hang out, but not have a one down. Yeah. Thing. So relationship will cover that. Yeah. How have you found? Because I bet the biggest thing people get sort of nervous about being a host home then is like, okay what kind of relationship am I entering into? Like, is this going to be scary? Is this messy? You know, like all yeah. of that. Like, I think that's important. Um, what's really important is that the host family and the bio family just get to have a friendship. Okay. And so we've put some structure in. We call it a family coach. And, okay. Um, so kind of the professional side, like yeah. yeah. We don't ask anyone to invite the family to their homes. In fact, many people meet here at Calvary, yeah. the playground, or McDonald's, or you know, it's yeah. it's. There's all kinds of ways to let the relationship have a warmth to it without right. mixing each other in each other's homes until you choose to. Yeah, um, it's the re- I can't say that word enough. Hmm. If the relationship can be um, there then once that starts, you'll know what to do. But we do have somebody called a family coach that manages the professional side of the relationship so that really all the two families need to do is talk about where to meet or where to eat dinner or, you know, try to keep it at the friendship level and let any kind of professional issues be handled. Yeah. With yeah. somebody trained to do that. Oh, uh, that makes sense. And that's like sort of, okay, that maybe brings a little bit of security to the person that maybe right. is thinking about this, but it's just like, do I just invite some random person to my house that I don't know that yeah. we know is We don't little... recommend that, actually. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't Because seem... we don't, that, that's not the need. Right. The need isn't that. Okay, cool. It's, it's really the great acceptance. It's more joining them out there 
you know, ha- hanging out with them. Cool. And you'd said something about, you know, because like the way that you had thought of how to start um, was just to start at your home. And so that's why you said, OK, I'm going to start with Calvary. This mm-hmm. is my home. Yeah. I'm just going to see how we can, you know, see how this works out here. Mm-hmm. How do you see that as kind of like a maybe a principle in general for people to be thinking of? Yeah, I think. um yeah, to start where you're comfortable. Where you're comfortable yeah. yeah, and not not that you don't want to get uncomfortable, but do what you're what you're already good at, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then let God expand and enlarge your territory. Mm-hmm. You know, don't enlarge your territory yourself because that's that's not what I think people are comfortable with. Yeah. But what is it you can do? Yeah, and then just do that. That's good. And so that's that's kind of always been my motto. And I remember launching Safe Families and the Orange County Register was here and the chief of police and it was here at Calvary. Mm-hmm. There's about a hundred people over there and Yeah. And it was a year later and I was in awe, like, what happened? How did this go? And from this now we're in forty states. You know, it was just in Chicago wow. when it started. Right. And it was here at the West Coast that really the expansion and a model was built. Hmm. But yeah, it was small. It was just, hey, Eric, think you could help me with this and right. Matt Doan and yeah, and just a couple of families here and yeah, a couple yeah. families at Calvary were yeah. original families. Rick and I were one of the original yeah. families. Let's just see. But I didn't ever have a vision for what God had a vision. For. Right, right. That's cool. And you're willing to live it. That's what's good too. You're willing to live it yourself. Yeah. And it's kind of mandatory it, in our movement. Yeah, that's that good. leaders need to host. Okay, because. You know, it's if you don't really know your story. So we did what, you know, made sense for our family. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah. Um, And so, okay, so all of that, uh, I just think, like, do you have, like, I think about just the sort of the foster care, the adoption system. It's just we know it's broken, right? We know it's. It's messy. Like, do you have other? I didn't didn't pre-ask you this. Do you have sort of other hopes and dreams of how we can sort of help repair that or something. I just, it's something that's been on my heart for a long time of just like wishing. I know, because basically I know say families is that. Yeah. <laughs> right. But yeah, I have a lot of ideas yeah. all the time. I was talking to a researcher from Baylor that was saying, how can we help talk to the church about our neighbors? Hmm. How can we help? So he's even thinking from a research is what are ways we could, you know, help people to feel braver. Wow. To yeah. love our neighbor because yeah. we, we're willing yep. to love our neighbors. But sometimes I don't think we realize the impact of an offered hand up. Yeah. Uh, not even up, a handout. Just right. hold, you know. So, yeah, there's a lot of interesting things reeling around in my head. But whether, you know, if you think of life as a river and children being raised, there's a whole there's a whole river to get involved in. The brave, mm. the foster parents and then these phenomenal adoptive parents that Mm -hmm. say I can do this for life right and everybody just evaluate where can I stand yeah you know and so prevention of child abuse tends to be my passion yes and then the emancipated youth are the kids that don't have families yet they're even farther up the river yes if we could really help them get on their feet they won't become families living on the street so yeah it's just I think I'm most inspired in this movement about the church good because I cringed when I said, church, do you think we could do this? And I wasn't sure. Right. And I, I wasn't sure we could do it, and we did it. Yeah. yeah. Um, just on the phone today 
with all the Oregon fires, and there's an elementary school that 80% of the children in that school are homeless, have lost their homes in this Oof. little area, and where Safe Families is there. And so, of course, this isn't child abuse, but those Safe Families are taking in all those kids. Oh, see. And so, because they're comfortable, they were, yeah. it was easy for them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so they were telling me that on the phone today. Is this okay? Because these families aren't, um, you know, on the abuse. Right. On the I road said, to abuse or something. But, but they're, they're at the risk to disintegrate. Yeah, exactly. And so you're a safe place for them. So that's the church. Right. And right. so, yeah, I think my idea is just to help invite the church to be braver in finding creative ways to love their neighbor and teach me your ways. You know, this this is my idea. What's yours? Yeah. Oh, I love that. I, because I think like this is a huge area that we even need to continue to grow in. That if we could have more mm-hmm. safe families out of Calvary, I would yeah, love that. I would so love I'd that love too. For people listening, just to allow, I think a big part is like allow the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. to speak into the sort of the depth of your heart and being. Yeah. With some openness, and mm-hmm. then see what happens. Like. It's a, you can't just say yes immediately to this. You have to be able to be prayerful about yeah. it. You know, it's a big deal. Yeah. And uh, I think I didn't know when I didn't think about how you also were raised in the residential world, yeah. in the world of orphan. And when I asked you as a pastor, I asked you as a Calvary guy. Yeah, exactly. But see, God knew. Yeah. yeah. You know, and so he prepares your hearts. But I think that's what I would say is what are you good at? And do that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, offer that to mm-hmm, your neighbor. Mm-hmm, exactly, exactly. And the, the the gift really is the relationship. Yep, absolutely. That's that's what you're gifting. Hmm. Maybe a bunch of my uh, almost empty nester friends. You know, if you're thinking you're mm-hmm. gonna, <laughs> mm-hmm. they're a phenomenal group. Yes, exactly. Because it is so short term. Yeah. And again, it's preserving families in a different way. So cool. So good. So good. Um, now, so and we haven't said this, but maybe people don't know. But so as so like as this was going, because you know it started like you said back in 0708 with you, your involvement, yeah. you at Olivecrest, and then now this is your this is your gig. I mean, you got some yeah. other things that you do, but you are the executive director of the Western States for this yeah. whole movement, <laughs> and uh, and you office right uh, right on the Calvary property, right? The Heritage, the Heritage Building. Building is my <laughs> nonprofit office over there, That's where right. I get to. <laughs> Pay a fair rent. Yeah, so that's where all that those good ideas are coming. So if you ever see smoke coming out. Yeah, there you go. Um, and then, okay, so one, one more thing, too, just briefly. Because you also do some stuff with with this whole Townsend Leadership Coaching. I don't know if that's what it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, just give us a little brief. Like, what in the world yeah. is that? Sometimes I wonder, is something wrong with me that I, <laughs> I work on these two separate worlds of executives, CEOs, and successful companies? companies and churches and yeah. it's like lord do i need to choose one or the other and it you know i my my life my mission statement for my own life is to eradicate social isolation through the healing power of family hmm. and um that's a fancy way of saying i believe family is where healing occurs wow yeah but family of origin and spiritual family are in the same yep place for me so the world of business leaders and pastors, well, here's something I'd say. We all stand even when it comes to attachment and growth. Hmm. And so if you're a young mom living under the bridge with two little ones trying to make it, yeah. 
or you're a CEO running a business or a senior pastor of a church, you have the exact same needs Yeah. when it comes to your own growth. Hmm needs and vulnerabilities and so it's been fascinating to realize we're all the same mm. and so isolation can grip yep you know me and you eric Absolutely. in the same way and can destroy all that god wants us to be so those are the two worlds i've hung up in and uh, dr townsend's a psychologist written 30 books i've written zero but um <laughs> But I've hung out with him professionally, too, kind of grown up here in Orange County with him. Yes, yes. And so he even helped with the model Hmm. when we said, if all we offer is relationship and we don't do anything fancy, we don't give money, we don't buy cars, we don't run programs, Mm -hmm. is that enough? And so I used to talk to him. Oh, cool. And he did a lot of the trainings, and and we believe it is that that in and of itself is the oxygen people need to live their lives. Yeah. So that's, yeah, I do happen to offer that also to <laughs> a group cool. of executive leaders. And I run a, a group, two groups, kind of families, okay. um, business family people that meet with me for a year and we grow the exact same thing as we're growing in the safe families oh, that's cool. movement, which is people fuel to keep life going. Yeah. And it's both, yeah, they're both based out of relationship, yeah. really offering relationship, yeah. right? And some wisdom, which they're both offering some wisdom, but right. um, that's so cool. And we're all at risk yes, to get ourselves in a place where we're not fueled up to do mm-hmm. the work that God sets before us. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. And so for people out there, like, I, I just want people to recognize as you're listening to this, that if what we're, if what you're being asked to offer, let's say is relationship, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, or you're, um, you know, you think you're really successful or really not successful. You have a big family or no family, you know, whatever, all of that. It's like, we all can offer relationship. Mm -hmm. And sometimes what people need is the introvert relationship, not this crazy extrovert relationship or whatever. Because I think sometimes an introvert like kind of puts that, that down for them. And so I just want to encourage all people like with that. Introverts, you have the depth we need and extroverts, you have the breadth we need, but we need you both. We need you both. (laughs) We need you both. So how do people find out more? How do people get connected to Safe Families for Children? Um, Well, there is safe-families.org. But really when it comes to Calvary, I would call the Calvary ministry here. Yep. Um, And so we can get that number out, but we have our own ministry here at Calvary. We've been going 10 or 12 years. Exactly. And there's a gigantic tsunami of need. Hmm. Uh, child abuse reporting in America is down by 70%. The phones got turned off during COVID because wow. teachers weren't there. Yeah. Pastors weren't there. Wow. And so there is this stomach ache again that we're all talking about that we know hard things are happening, but hmm. our way that we reported them isn't working right now. Okay. So families that are struggling are struggling. Okay. And so we need to be available. Yep. And that's where you could talk to Pastor Matt Doan, Mm -hmm. uh, Pastor Jonathan Smalley, Mm -hmm. calvarylife.org slash local. These are ways that we can say say families is a a local ministry partner of Mm -hmm. ours, which is uh, uh, like an (laughs) in-house ministry partner. It's here. So that's where I would start is with Matt Doan. Exactly. And so then we'd love to help just get you connected more. And um, and you can kind of browse around to check that out at safe-families.org. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, um, yeah. any, uh, any last words here no. before we close it out? But I'd love to hear any of your ideas, uh, Calvary Family. is You know, th- this church is a place that you can cr- practice the way that God wants you to live, like I've done. 
really a lot of this was birthed here yeah. and created and developed here and practiced before it went into the world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think we're a church that's willing to do ministry and mm-hmm. think about how doing ministry together. My parents did a lot of ministry things here and kind of modeled Absolutely. that for me. So Absolutely. And so that's what I love even this. It's an idea that people like that you just said, hey, let's flesh mm-hmm. this out. Let's talk to some people. Let's see how we can make this idea a reality. And yeah. and it's going. And like you yeah. said, how many? 55,000 or something? We posted 55,000. Yeah. It's in 104 chapters. That's incredible. 32 states. And then I think it's about 12 countries. 12 countries. Okay. And that model got built here. Here. Yeah. That whole church based That whole model. idea. Yeah. So... Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Karen. Thanks for inviting me. You got it. And thank you for listening to the Calvary Life Podcast.